For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss the Chiefs' offensive line, and what to do about it in the offseason. Joe, uh, Brett Veach met with the media for the first time uh, since the Super Bowl, or after, um, really first time anybody has really kind of met with the media, and to discuss the offseason and their plans. And he made uh, – he said the priority is the offensive line fixing that, which is not a surprise given what happened uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but Joe – you know, hey, there's nobody better to discuss this with than a former offensive lineman in the NFL like yourself. So, Joe, you were Brett Veach. How do you approach it? What do you do, and how do you see kind of um, the offensive line uh, shaking out the starters for uh, next year? Well, you know, Jeff, that's a great question, and I've always lived under the uh, the, the the mentality that hope isn't a strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't hope, especially in the NFL. Right. With the short, I'm going to call it lifespan of players with the short lifespan of the chemistry that exists between teams uh, from season to season. You know, the, the Chiefs can't hope. Right. They've got to go out and they've got to do something. They've got to be active and they can't hope that Mitchell Schwartz back surgery goes really well. They can't hope that Eric Fisher's Achilles, you know, miraculously heals fast. You know, they I, I think, you know, assembly's probably done, you know, for, for a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I mean, even to a certain degree, unless they've had some conversations with LDT, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they've got to, you know, they can't just hope he comes back, right? If he, if he decides to opt out for another season, if we don't get COVID under control and he decides that maybe he's made enough money and he can go do that, you know, whatever, like they just can't, they can't hope, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, overuse that term. So they're going to have to go out and really, I think, I think they're going to have to make some big moves on the O-line. And, you know, it happened. It's funny. It's a funny story because it happened when I was a free agent and took a visit to the Broncos. And there was a center there the year that I took my free agent visit when Alex Gibbs left Kansas City as the O-line coach to go to co-coach with Coach Shanahan. And Keith Carts was their starting center for years. And, you know, Pro Bowl type caliber player was in a skiing accident and really torqued up his knee. And they basically said, look, Joe, if if Keith comes back, it's his position to lose, you know, and guess what? I decided not to go there because I I wasn't sure whether to take that risk or not. And then Keith didn't come back. And, you know, I, you know, I could have been, you know, I was being, I was penciled in to be the starter at center, according to Alex during our off season visit. But then, you know, Keith doesn't come back and then that could have been a starting position for me. So, I mean, it's just a weird little anecdote and a story to relate to it that you can't just count on things. Right. And 
they're going to have to go out and shore this thing up because we saw that it was the number one factor in the Super Bowl, right? No doubt, right? It's no doubt. I kind of, I went into the game a little more optimistically, I think, than most. I just thought maybe that Patrick's magic would be able to overcome it. And we, we saw that it can't. And they're going to have to rebuild this offensive line this offseason if they're going to, you know, make another attempt at getting back to not just the Super Bowl, but, you know, getting maybe even to the AFC Championship. I mean, it's, it's going to be something they're really, really going to have to focus on. You talked about the center position. You almost uh, playing that in, in in Denver. Um, it's interesting. So much focus has been on the tackles, Fisher, Schwartz, their health coming back. Center is a really interesting position. I don't know what they're going to do. So Austin Ryder is an unres- unrestricted free agent, and so is Daniel Kilgore. Um, we were talking about this with uh, uh, Harold Kuntz a little bit, that I, I actually thought Daniel Kilgore, he was the starter during the, the regular season victory against Buffalo when the Chiefs just ran all over him for more than 200 yards, and I thought he looked kind of better than Ryder. I'm very curious what they do with the center position. Do they um, re-sign one of those guys? Do they go elsewhere? Um, you know, obviously a, a key position on the offensive line. No, it's a great point, Jeff, because we are all focused on those tackles, right? We saw mm-hmm. what, what the rush did uh, from, you know, in, in the Super Bowl that the Bucks put on on Patrick. Um, but, you know, getting that push up in the middle of the line is important too, especially in the run game. You know, when you think about when the Chiefs were really running the ball, let's go back to Tim Grunhard. Let's, let's, let's go back to Brian Waters. Let's go back to some of those interior players that really got that push um, and were able to establish really strong running games and, and, and center is, is, is very important and very critical to that, to that, uh, to that aspect of your offensive game. So I, I wonder, I'm, I was thinking about this, Jeff, and I wonder if, you know, if that was really a tryout, right. With, with Daniel Kilgore making those starts and then, you know, kind of for lack of better terms, benching Austin, you know, I wonder if that was their way of saying, okay, guys, this is going to be the future, right? We're going to give you each some time on film, right? We're going to let see what happens in the free agent market and whoever gets poached away or whoever plays better, we're going to go with the other. I, I personally think they've got way too many other needs at other marquee offensive line positions and, and even just in other positions in general, you know, receiver, you know, we obviously with the J.J. Watt thing, we know we lost that aspect of maybe trying to improve the pass rush a little bit more, right. To get that up a little bit. Um, you know, what are they going to do with special teams where they have to spend money there? So I think this is probably very low priority for them. And I think it's going to be a battle between Kilgore and Ryder myself, mm-hmm. depending on who wants to come back, who wants to make a commitment to Kansas city, who they felt played better in their time at that position. And, um, you know, they're going to make, they're going to make a decision based on some math and based on their scouting, right. And their own internal scouting of, of those two guys at that position. I don't think that's going to be a position they go outside. I think it's going to be one of those two guys that comes back. It's just going to be a matter of who's healthiest, you know, those little things that we don't know, right. From the media and fan perspective, like we don't know some of those internal things that maybe Andy knows or Eric B knows or Brett beach knows. So I, th- I think center is going to be a position that's going to be one of those two guys, whoever they either decide they can't sign or whoever they decide they can sign and, and how they balance out their talent level. A very solid insight there, Joe. And whoever the Chiefs have at center, they're still actually the odds-on favorite 
to win the next Super Bowl, according to our friends, our sponsors at Bet Online. They're at the Chiefs are at plus 525. Well, football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet Online has hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24 hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sport, sportsbook experts. Uh, well, Joe, during uh, Veach's time with the media, his press conference, he also gave updates, kind of the things that everyone's talking about, uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. And he was kind of, I think, optimistic about both saying – that he expected both in training camp. Um, you know, Mitchell Schwartz had a disc injury um, and, and usually, and he had surgery for it. That's probably means he had a microdisectomy is, which I actually uh, have undergone. And obviously uh, what I need to do in my daily life is very different than what Mitchell Schwartz needs to do, but there are still certain, um, no matter how athletic, how big, strong you are, there's certain restrictions of just, what they allow you to do. And it's pretty much, it, it, it's not a, a terrible recovery. It's six weeks uh, post-op. You can start working out lighter weights uh, and really three months and you're cleared for most activities. So I think I worry, worry about the long-term effects, which Mitchell Schwartz, but I do think that three-month window, he should be back in time. Eric Fisher and Achilles, um, you know, Brett Veach was very optimistic. He said, Rick, Burkholder, who's so respected as a trainer, mm-hmm. uh, gave him uh, a very positive review. But geez, uh, having that back by the summer, um, I know to me that that seems a little overly optimistic. Joe, your your take and just from playing, how how do you? And I know we can't always predict really health, but your your opinions on Schwartz and Fisher going forward? Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I lived I lived the back injury, right? And it's really what sort of forced my hand, right, and kind of accelerated some of my, you know, lack of, you know, playing time and, and ultimately sort of my, as a, as a non-starter, getting kind of forced out of the game, right? I mean, Was, that, was it, it a ruptured disc, Joe? What, what happened? No, it, it was mostly soft tissue. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and then once, once you get that stigma, then all of a sudden, as, a, as somebody who's a, a, a career backup, right, then all of a sudden, as, as, we, were getting ba- as we were battling the salary cap at that time, because remember, it was very new, right? Because, you know, Reggie White had just won the landmark case, established unrestricted free agency in 1993. You know, I was, I was definitely not a full-time starter and just kind of had that, it was established that I was not, you know, going to probably be one in Kansas City. Then you get that injury, and you miss games, and you miss time, and you have trouble recovering, and you lose weight, and people are just like, okay, I can either have a five or six year veteran making X amount of dollars, or I can just go out and get a rookie, you know, especially since I wasn't a starter. Now, if I were Tim Grunhardt, Dave Zott, Will Shields, with that same injury, it's a different story, right? And, and I think that's the case. I'm, I'm making this connection and analogy, drawing it to the Mitchell Schwartz. He's Mitchell Schwartz. He's an all-pro player. He's an Iron Man, right? We, we talked about that couple, you know, last season, not this that past streak. season. Yeah. Before. We talked about the streak. And he's an Iron Man. So I think you're spot on in that watching what I saw with John Alt and the way that he dealt with a lot of back surgeries and a lot of back injuries, I think Mitchell Schwartz will be able to compete at a very high level given his talent. 
given his skills, given his, you know, where he is and, and his, his overall health, right. And, and his, his Ironman type status. So I have no doubt that Mitchell Schwartz is going to be back and healthy by the time the season starts. You're absolutely right. Fisher's another question in my mind too, Jeff. I, I can't see those Achilles, man. That's a tricky, tricky, tricky injury, you know, because there's so much pushing off that goes on. Um, you know, when you play left tackle, you've got to be, you know, this monster athlete as well as being massive dude, right? Like it's, it's a, it's the marquee offensive line position, right? It's the middle linebacker rush end of the offense. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think, I just think it, it's going to be interesting. And I think if they're going to do something big this off season, it's going to have to be getting a starter type, a starter caliber type player, who could be the next, you know, Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. That's the pl place that they've got to focus on. It's got to be somebody that if, if God forbid Eric or Mitchell can't make it back again, going from that hope can't be a strategy thing that they, that tackle that they pick up this off season walks right into that spot without even missing a beat. Right. I mean, to me, that's what I think they need to do. They need to get a marquee tackle who can play both sides, preferably probably better at left tackle than at right, and they need to make that their number one focus on the O-line because I think they've got enough to work with on the interior um, but between Wiley, LDT, you know, Remmers. Like I think they've got enough to work with on the interior piece, and then you know, we obviously we already hit on the center, so I won't go back to that again that that's the position they need, really need to focus on because I think the Remmers Wiley experiment at tackle was not, that didn't work. And, and they really need to focus on that and having a marquee starter who may come in as, may come in as a starter work to back up or vice versa. That's where I think they need to really, really focus on from a depth perspective. Back, back to the interior. Yeah, I think they're a little more comfortable in there. And one guy I think that they're pretty high on is old 73. I think Nick Algretti, they seem to, he, he looked at and, and they each mentioned him that they're um, somebody they're high on. So Joe, curious for your thoughts on him. And also back to the Fisher um, is, you know, I, I would think if you're a quarterback, like the worst injury you could have, like an elbow injury or shoulder injury, if, if you're an offensive lineman, this this isn't trying to be too doom and gloom. You never know with these spectacular athletes, they can have remarkable comebacks, just like Drew Brees had with with his mm -hmm. shoulder. He had a great career after that. But that said, is is an Achilles kind of the worst athletic injury you could have for for an offensive tackle? I, I gotta say it, it's gotta be Jeff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's gotta be unless short of, you know, God forbid, you know, somebody like really damages their neck or spinal cord or something like that. Like short of that you know, where you have one of those kind of injuries um, or God forbid something happens to you like happened to Alex Smith. Right. I, I mm -hmm. don't, I don't think, but you generally don't, for whatever reason, knock on wood, you don't really see those type of injuries happen to offensive linemen. Right. Cause they're, for some reason they're out of that fray. I don't know why um, you don't see many of those type of shattered, like shin, you know, thigh, breaks, you know, femurs and, and tibulas and all those, you know, medical terms. Um, so short of those type of really dramatic injuries, which you don't generally see on the O-line, I, I, 
I do think Jeff, it's got to be one of the worst because it's it's just it's so it's such a it's a tendon. You know what I mean? It's not a muscle. It's not a bone. It's a tendon, and and those things are just you know it's not a ligament. You know those things are really really tough, and there's so much pushing that goes off in your base. You know in that in that Achilles, and I'm again I, I wish him speedy recovery. I hope he has great healing genes and that things really work out for Eric because the way that I see it Jeff if I could paint the, put the, take the magic crystal ball out I'd say you know Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle um, you know Allegretti right I think Nick is is I think he's going to start I think he's going to be the starter going into the season regardless of what happens I mean I Chiefs, think it, the, the Chiefs needed 73 in there to get a lot they of need it it's, it's 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 obvious right it's absolutely <laughs> obvious that a 73 needs to fill in it's about it's about time um, but no, but I think Nick is going to be fantastic player. I really like him. I really like, I like his attitude, everything about him. He's tough. He's tenacious. He gets after it. Um, and then, and then it's going to be Kilgore or Ryder at center. I think it's either going to be either one. And I think they'd be fine with either. Um, in my opinion, I really don't have, I really don't have an opinion either way. Cause I think they're both kind of different players. Um, but I think they could go either way there. You know, I got to say LDT has got to, got to make it back. Right. I mean, I think, I think we're going to, you know, knock on wood, we're going to get this COVID thing under control and, you know, countries are going to see numbers go down and, you know, he's going to be able to, to re reignite his football career, which I'm really excited about. And I think, you know, I think then you have some decisions to make about what you do with Remmers and Wisniewski and, and, you know, and, and maybe even, maybe even to that degree, you know, do, do you let Wiley battle it out with LDT and, and see how that plays out? And, you know, they have a camp that could be like the big camp battle. And then obviously then you got, then you got Eric Fisher, right? So that's how I go right to left. And I see it if I were like, if I could fast forward to next, you know, July when training camp starts and what I would like to see, but what needs to be the most important thing is who's going to be that tackle that backs up. Mitchell and Eric, like who's going to be that marquee, like almost like a semi type pickup, right? Like a, a guy that really had an established career that could be a starter on 31 of the other 32 teams in the league, but the chiefs were lucky enough to get him and attract him, whether it's based on, you know, getting the opportunity to play with Patrick Holmes, knowing that you're going to, you know, you're going to have a fantastic shot at the Super Bowl again and, and that Kansas city is a great place to play. So that's kind of how I see it playing out now and more on March 3rd. Right, it's March third, Jeff. We got we got a long ways to go. You know, we got a lot of rehab for some of these guys to take place. We've got free agency. We've got the draft. So of course, those things could change really, really quickly. But if I could paint, if I could take my magic paintbrush out, that's how I would see it uh, playing out right now, March third. Joe, I think that's a really good prediction there. And again, I'm I feel a little bit more comfortable on the the interior Allegretti, uh, Duvernay, Tardif comes back we know um he's good you know and i i do think they'll go outside to address it a little bit the chiefs are pretty strapped against the cap and the cap sounds like it it's going to be a little bit lower than it has been in the past because uh byproduct of the covid it's just less less um revenue um so you know i think the chiefs will brett veach is always good at kind of mining the free agent market and finding somebody uh who's a little bit undervalued that said you know Guys like Trent Williams of the 49ers is a free agent. I'm not expecting them to bring in somebody at that that level, quite somebody that pricey. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that be wouldn't that be nice if they could? You know, I know they're going to have so many things addressed in the draft, and what a steal they got that last pick of the first round with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But mm-hmm. you know, what if there was like a Tristan Wirfs hiding out there somewhere, right? Like, my gosh, what a year he had for the Bucks, right? As a rookie coming in, um, you know, protecting Tom Brady. You called it. I mean, that was your guy that you said you really liked at the at the combine, and he, yeah, sadly, your prediction was a little too <laughs> on point because it ended right? up hurting the Chiefs. Came back to bite us, you know, geez, Uh, you know, but he, you know, that's maybe there's that diamond in the rough, you know, they could get maybe in the second round. If that's where Brett Beach and Andy really feel like they could really make an impact in the draft is getting one of those linemen who could be a starter quickly uh, at tackle, you know, Um, they're, they're few and far between Jeff, as you know, offensive line is a, it's a mature position. It's a position where very few players make those kind of Tristan Wirfs, impacts early on um there's so many techniques and so many things to pick up when you're going against some of these rush ends and you're going against some of these defensive tackles that are just unbelievable athletes for their size so you know it can it it might take some time to develop that so you know it's 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 gonna like i said there's a long time between we're recording this on march 3rd to when july rolls around there's the draft there's you know, free agency, people are going to come and go, money's going to exchange, change hands and cap numbers are going to change. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out on the O-line front, but, but it's got to be, got to be Andy and Brett Beach is number one. And if they got to get Clark Hunt involved as the owner, it's got to be all three of those folks, number one priority going into this, going into this off season based on what we saw in the Super Bowl for sure. What is one good thing is when Brett Veach was discussing the draft, he said two of the deeper possessions are offensive line, particularly tackle and wide receiver. So that does bode well uh, for the Chiefs. Want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professionals. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Uh, Joe, and the Chiefs also have several free agents we need to talk about on the offensive line. Uh, we mentioned the center situation. Mike Remmers is a free agent. Uh, Andrew Riley, a free agent. Also, Kalechi Osemele, who I think we both agree at, at 32 in a history of injuries and two devastating knee injuries um, this past season. Though Harold Kuntz told us that he has been at the facility rehabbing. Anyhow, given those free agents, who are those guys do you expect back? Well, I, you know, I definitely don't expect a simile. I really don't expect him to be a part of, of this and, and, and no, no, not be critical of his play. I mean, that was just a horrible injury. He was playing really well. He was playing at a high level. We talked about that early on. Remember Jeff, when they signed him, I mean, we, we knew that he had some 
baggage there as it related to, to injuries, and I'm sure he'd be the first one to admit it. And the Chiefs breathed some life into him, and I, I thought he was playing really well. I thought he was playing at a very high level. I'm sad, very saddened to see that you know his career may be over, maybe, maybe just not even his time with the Chiefs, but I think – once they get him rehabbed and healthy, I I, ex, I would expect that the Chiefs would you know would part ways or, or find a way to somehow you know for him to move just given the other players that they have to contend with right um, and not and wanting to be super healthy because the last thing they need is to have more than like one or two guys up front that are struggling with injury right we're it's going to be like we don't want to be holding our breath the whole season with you know guys like Osemele and Fisher with the Achilles and Mitchell with his back. Like we, we don't want like to be, you know, wondering if all three of them could get hurt in one game, right? That's the last thing that this mm-hmm. team needs. We don't, we don't need another end to the season like that Super Bowl where, where we were just makeshift. Um, so I think they're going to have to really focus on health of the interior, given the fact that, you know, Mitchell and Eric are coming in, will be coming in, you know, off of rehabs and off of surgeries and off of some pretty devastating injuries. So I don't think it was, that was, a, I think, I think, I think Andrew Wiley, I, I think he will be back. I, I really do. I think they're going to want because of his health and because of his, his versatility. Uh, while, you know, he, he didn't play as well as he probably would have liked to in the Super Bowl at tackle. That was a new position for him. I mean, he, he's actually had some pretty, pretty good runs on the interior. So I think between his health his experience in, in protecting Patrick and, and, and in the run blocking scheme that the Chiefs have, have put into place with Andy Heck, I would I would imagine that he he will be back. Um, and then and then it just it just depends on you know on what happens with uh, you know with Kilgore and Riley. I I would I would love to see Remmers come back, but I think I think the Chiefs it's going to be on the Chiefs term terms. I don't think Mike is going to be dictating you know, where, you know, what that number looks like. And if he gets a better offer that the Chiefs aren't comfortable with, I wouldn't imagine that they would bring him back, um, given his age, you know, given, given you know, where he is and, 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 and the run that they did get out of him. And I, and I don't expect, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Stefan Wisniewski. I mean, that's, you know, that was another one. I think of all the players that, that got criticized, I think he was probably one of the, for whatever reason, most criticized in, in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, people, people, I think were giving, they were giving Andrew Wiley a break. They were giving Remmers a break to a certain degree, knowing that those guys were, they were put into a really unusual circumstance, but given Wisniewski's background, I think he's probably the one based on where the expectations were and how he should have played in the Super Bowl and how he did play. I think he looked a little lost. And I think that's probably, um, you know that's probably the one that I don't think the Chiefs will will really do a whole lot with uh, going into this offseason, especially given how they signed him, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. he was coming off of being released by the Chiefs, released by the Steelers, and I think you know he's had a, he's had a really good run. He's got a couple Super Bowls in with the Eagles and the Chiefs, and, and I think that's probably he probably won't factor into the equation. So I, I think it's going to be Wiley, LDT, obviously Nick Allegretti, um, and and I think that will. I think that will be how they'll build the core um, of the interior portion of the line. 
Some great points there, Joe. Yeah, Wisniewski is an interesting case because he was so good last year. He came on late and really fortified that offensive line. And then, you know, he was so good that he parlayed that into a contract with the Steelers, his hometown team, seemed real excited about, was posting all these pictures on social media. And then it was real weird. He got – he played like a game or so and got a bad injury, tore a peck. And – then, you know, the, the Steelers released him and the Chiefs picked him up and you're like, oh, it's another masterstroke of Brad Veach to get him back. I, there must have been something there. That the Steelers really struggled on their offensive line and getting any kind of push up front. And so you kind of – that was the thing. You're like, wow, why did they – there must have been something there. I think he just must not have been fully right from that injury. There, there must – because he didn't look like the same player we saw the year before. No, I totally, that's great. Very astute comments, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I did. I just, we just didn't see it from him in this, in this Super Bowl, right? That we talk a lot about championship DNA and Super Bowl DNA and, you know, he just, uh, you know, but then again, you know, look, let's, let's give credit where credit is due. That, that front was going, you know, against a, a defensive front that was really coming into its own in, with Tampa Bay, right? They really had, the right stuff, so to speak, going into that Super Bowl and, and what they were able to do and what the game plan looked like and, you know, their ability to to really control the line of scrimmage, both in the running game, um, which, you know, which obviously the Chiefs never really established, right? We never really saw them establish that. And then the pass rush and, you know, Patrick running for 500 yards, 497 to be exact, before he threw the ball. And, and I think that you know, so let's give let's give some credit to that defensive line and take a little bit of the pressure off of individual performances up front um, when, you know, when you're trying to just patchwork together a, a, the chemistry of an offensive line like that. I mean, it was just a recipe for disaster. And I guess hindsight's always 20-20, right? We thought I just, I just, you know, I was really pulling for that group because I thought they're all great guys. Like they are, they are just a great group of guys up front. You know, they're team players. Patrick has all the respect in the world for every one of those guys on the O-line. I think they're all really solid characters. They got great character. They show up. They, they're tough. It just, something happened in the chemistry there in that, in that machination of putting that group of five together for the Super Bowl. It just was like, it was like, it was like a puzzle where you had all the right pieces, but it just you just didn't put them in the right place. Or you know you had them, you had all the right people on the bus, you just didn't put them in the right seats. One other analogy I can make to simplify it, but it, it was it was not it just the way that it came together just obviously didn't work. A great group of guys, and you know that certainly illustrated by uh, Duvernay Tardif in Sports Illustrated uh, Man of the Year. And he, he should be coming back, we hope, as we talked about. Lucas Niang, another guy um, who opted out that yeah. could, could be valuable too. And uh, one last thing on Remmers there that, you know, interested to see where he ends up uh, if it's back with the Chiefs. Um, and he is a valuable piece, somebody who's that versatile, and he really can play anywhere. He played well uh, at right tackle. I think he might even – be better on the interior it's just he almost got moved too far like just left tackle against you know those pass rushes. that's just asking a little too much and I, I feel bad like he's a solid lineman that's just asking a little too much um uh, of him 
You nailed it, Jeff. I do too. I, I do. You almost feel bad, right, that he got put in that position. I mean, that would have been like the first thing that, you know, Andy Hack or Andy Reid or Eric Bieniemy would have said to a guy like that when that Super Bowl ended, like, dude, sorry. You know, sorry, we put you in that yeah. position. You know, they did not set him up for success, right? I mean, that is a lot. That is a lot to ask. That is a very specialized position. Um, you know, it's unique to the types of players that you go against week in and week out. I mean, it's just, I just, I just remember, you know, being roommates with John all as the left tackle for all those years. Like, I just remember, like, I, I, I didn't even want to like talk to him some nights, like pregame, like in our hotel room. Like I, I just didn't want to bother him because I knew what he was in for the next day, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was just like one Derek Thomas, I'm, you know, doing air quotes. Like it was one Derek Thomas after another. And it's like, my God, the guy is just, he's, he, and he goes into it like just full on business every time. It, it's a, it's a unique position. And, and you're right, Jeff, I think um, as a long winded uh, explanation of how tough it is to play left tackle, they didn't, they didn't give Mike the best chance to succeed. So, you know, it, but I just think they've got to focus on that tackle position. And I don't know if they have, First of all, enough dollars, just speaking in, in reality, right? Living in the reality of the salary cap era and where, where they are with all the money they've spent on some of their marquee players, like what they need to do at receiver, what they need to do maybe to enhance the pass rush. Uh, you know, oh, man, like I, I don't know if they're going to have enough dollars to spread around, and that's why I think they're going to have to really focus on that core of the interior that they already have and making that work and getting that marquee defense or uh, offensive tackle to, to shore up the gaps. Yes. And we will definitely get answers to those questions and we'll be continuing to give you our analysis on this throughout the off season. So if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We'll available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.